1: Welcome back to the fan. Lloyd Rubinson here with you. Classic AFC championship matchup and the Chiefs win 23 to 20. And uh, what it feels like a budding rivalry between Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, between the Bengals and the Chiefs. And uh, to talk about it, we bring in Mark Canisaro from From the New York Post, he's out there in Kansas City covering the game. Hey, Mark, how are you?
2: I'm doing great, Lori. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I know you wrote a story about, um, you know, we always think in sports, what makes makes them more fun, you know, rivalries is such a, a huge aspect of it. And for years, obviously, we had... Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. And we had, you know, a whole bunch, you know, that was like an incredible rivalry for years in the NFL. Um, this is not that yet, but there's something interesting budding here between Mahomes and, and Burrow.
2: There's no question. And, uh, listen, I mean, these two guys are going to be doing this for a long time. I think, you know, you know, knock on wood that they stay healthy, but, uh, you know, you talk about the rivalry. I was in the Chiefs locker room afterwards, and I was talking to a few guys down there. and There were a lot of, you know, the, the Bengals were very chirpy, you know, at leading up to this game. And even I covered the, the Bengals' win in Buffalo last week, and they, you know, they and, and justifiably so, they were very much overlooked during the year, even though they'd been in the Super Bowl last year. But, you know, it was all about Buffalo and Kansas City, and it would seem to be everybody, everybody else except the Bengals, and they seemed to be carrying that chip on their shoulder. And they brought it here to Kansas City, and during the week, there was a lot of chatter, including from the mayor of Cincinnati,
1: mm-hmm.
2: who kind of kind of trolled Mahomes, and there was a lot of crowing on the part of the the, the Chiefs players after the game about about that. And uh, there's no question about it. In fact, I was talking to to to, uh, to McKinnon, their running back, and and he was basically Jared McKinnon. and He's like, I don't really know where this rivalry came from, but it's here <laughs> now, and. <laughs> And he goes, those guys, you know, they chirp a lot. And I got a lot of respect for them. They're a really good team. But you know what? When you trash talk, you're going to get humbled. And that's what happened to them tonight.
1: Yeah, and on some level, I think it's part of their personality and and Joe Burrow and um, the way they carry themselves, and it's been working for them, obviously, back-to-back AFC Championship games. They went to the Super Bowl last year. But on some level, you do expect a team to win a Super Bowl before you're maybe quite this chatty. Um, And and clearly, in particular, of all the comments – um, saying that Arrowhead Stadium was now Burrowhead Stadium, named after, obviously, Joe Burrow, and having, implying that he had, because the Bengals had won three games in a row versus the Chiefs, they kind of owned them, and that he was, I don't know, usurping Patrick Mahomes in some way. There was some talk about that. That seemed to be, uh, well, In it, how did you feel, and in talking to players, that the Chiefs players felt about that, and how they feel about their quarterback.
2: Oh, I mean, listen, they took umbrage to it, and and you know, going back to exactly what you just kind of said about you know, win a Super Bowl before you get that chatty. You know, these guys in the in the Chiefs locker room are like, well, I mean, they and listen, they were not talking down the Bengals. They have a lot of respect for the Bengals, but they're like, look, you know, I mean, this is the fifth consecutive AFC championship game that the chiefs have hosted right. they've been and now this is their third super bowl in five years you know now granted they've only won one of those you know one of them two so to speak not only but uh jets would only like <laughs> to have one super bowl right uh but uh you know, they were like you know they they were taken aback that there was talk that they were even they were underdogs in their own stadium mm-hmm. you know and in, in fairness to the Burrow the borough head thing that really kind of came out of Mike Hilton there, you know, the Bengals cornerback mm-hmm. last week. And, you know, it, it got it, it got some attention, and, and the mayor, I think, chirped about it a little bit. And uh, so it did gain a little momentum. It's not like everybody in the, the Bengals locker room was chirping about this being Burrowhead. It just kind of took a, a life of its own. You know, it was creative. I give Hilton credit. But it did fire up these dudes. I mean, Matt Mahomes said after the game he had not seen – his team as jacked up as it was before this game, uh, you know, in, in any game that he's ever played, and and that so that, you know, that speak that speaks a lot, I think, and uh, so yeah, I think the vibe in the room was like, look, we still got Patrick Mahomes, you know, we're going to our third Super Bowl here, you know, uh, so there was very much of that tenor coming out of the uh, the Kansas City locker room.
1: Talking about people who were jacked up. You know, watching from home, you know, we watch all these games all the time. And a lot of these stadiums sound loud and energy there. This the crowd at Arrowhead um, there in Kansas City, this felt like it sounded like that crowd was louder than I've really heard a uh, another crowd, NFL crowd in a while.
2: Well, first of all, Laurie, and I've been fortunate enough to cover a, a handful of games at Arrowhead. I, it, is one, it is one of the awesome stadiums in the league, and it's also always known for one of the loudest. And the weird thing is it's a very open stadium, so I, I don't really know the dynamics of why it's so loud. I mean, obviously the fans are passionate, but it is, it's it's a tremendous vibe in there. In fact, I, I wouldn't have wanted to be in the uh, – um, Sitting outside in the, in the zero degree uh, <laughs> wind chill, mm-hmm. but it's kind of a bummer in some ways to be in the hermetically sealed environment of the press box, which is way way up high and it's all glassed in because you really don't get to feel that vibe. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I mean, you can you can feel it to some degree, but you don't really you're not really hearing it. And uh, but that, that stadium's always been known to be that way. But it, it, it was passionate. Uh, and it, but it's it's just a really cool place. It's a cool looking place. It's old too it's not one of the newer stadiums, so um yeah it it's a, it's a really it's a really cool place to be
1: yeah it, it, it's always a little embarrassing when you have an old stadium like that that's so cool and and has such a uh, a great um home field advantage and we have met life but um
2: yes, yes exactly the sterile yeah met life exactly
1: yeah. uh, talk to Mark zero from the New York post and all right so yeah, you know, we've talked about sort of that chip on the shoulder that maybe, you know, that the Bengals had and yet then the um, the way the, uh, you know, Chiefs players were defending their quarterback. Um, but let's take a step back and, and can you give us some perspective? You've covered the NFL and, you know, sports in general for so many years. The brilliance of Patrick Mahomes and how, you know, what we saw tonight in terms of the folklore of this player and, you know, who will be a hall of famer, you know, by the time this career is over, but on, you know, a high ankle sprain and, and to come back a week later and give this performance, what did we witness?
2: Well, it's very easy to take that for granted because he has been so good since he came to the league. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I talked to a lot of players in the room about that, um, and, you know, I mean, when we hear high ankle sprain, that's an automatic, that's a minimum of a three-week out, mm-hmm. you're out. Yep. I mean, that's just the way it is. You mm-hmm. know, I don't care what position you're playing. And uh, quite frankly, I, I didn't, he didn't limp until midway through the third quarter. I saw, you know, and, and that was, he, made, he He rolled to his left, if you remember yep. on that one play, exactly. and, and through to, yep. through to, uh, um, uh, Valdez Scandaling, I think it was mm-hmm. on a, for, a, on a, and he, that was the first time he lifted. He must have done something to it there, and but he really, I mean, again, I think it's easy to take it for granted. But when you when you realize what high ankle sprains are, and and how long players are out with them, um, you, you have to step back and realize. I mean, this is one of this is really one of the great performances, you know, in in recent memory uh I mean, the guy for through for 326 yards I think two yep. touchdowns yep. you know i i really believe not to make an excuse for him i do believe that that fumble was a little bit i think a little bit hard because he was planting if you saw that on his mm-hmm. right on his right foot right leg i should say and that had to be in his mind and he just kind of lost lost control of the ball i mean it was also freaking 10 degrees out too so you know mm-hmm. there's that also right but uh um yeah i listen i it's funny i asked i actually asked mckinnon about that kind of what you, what you just said and i just i asked him kind of what sets him apart what do you say what did he show you tonight and he was like he goes look and he goes i can tell you what he showed me but you saw it <laughs> that's pretty mm-hmm. that's that's exactly what he said to me he goes i don't need to say anything you saw it and and i think everybody else did i think the general fan probably does not realize what a, ankle, a high ankle sprain is you know it's a different it's different from a regular um ankle sprain and the high ankle sprain is more complicated and i mean this guy practiced three days to miss a practice he wasn't even on the injury report and he came out and played the way he did today i mean that's that's sick
1: yeah uh legendary it was a the legend of of patrick mahomes grows the other you know had a fan uh caller earlier made a really good point which is that if you looked at the roster of this Chiefs team and compared it to the Bengals roster, the Bills roster, the, you know, this was and, and I was saying this earlier as well, is that this was a little bit of a reloading year where they, the Chiefs trade away um, Tyreek Hill, bring in some, some new, you know, and some younger guys and draft guys. And so, yeah, they thought, I'm sure they would win the division. But to get back to the Super Bowl, when you look at this team, it felt like when you watch them, there's Patrick Mahomes, there's Travis Kelsey, and there's Chris Jones. And especially when Sneed went out, and they're playing with, like, rookies back there. Yeah, three three
2: rookie quarterbacks.
1: It was nuts. And so the other person that, for sure, I think, you know, just – the the mindset not to be denied in terms of this game is Chris Jones, it felt like really took over this game in a lot of ways in the moments that mattered. And um in the post game and some of the, you know, comments and comments from him and his teammates, um, what was some of the reaction there?
2: Well, you know, Jones was pretty funny, as you as you probably can see from some of his interviews, he's a very colorful character. And uh, um, he he was kind of like, you know, I mean, the, the narrative with Chris Jones was he, he, he played 10 or so, I believe it was 10 postseason games, and he hadn't had a sack. Yep. I mean, this is, this is a guy that's 15 and a half sacks. He didn't have a playoff sack, right? So he knew that was the, the narrative, his mm-hmm. narrative, so to speak. And he, yep. said, he, said, he said to us afterwards, he, look, he goes, my goal in this game was not to get a sack. You know, my goal is to get to the Super Bowl, right? So, but now we can wipe that narrative off. But that was going to be the big, the key, the whole way. I think in this game, Laurie, Because I got to be honest with you, you, just as you just started asking that question, I, I did not think the Chiefs are going to win today. I mean, I really thought that that, that Cincinnati was a, was the more complete team, mm-hmm. with a better running game, uh, maybe not better running game, but with certainly better better defense. And I thought the key for the Bengals was going to be whether they could get some pressure on Burrow. And Burrow was sacked, I want to say four times in the first half alone. You mm-hmm. know, uh, yep. and you know. And, uh, you know, Frank Clark got to him. Jones got to him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I watched – it was funny because, you know, I watched him mow through the Bills last week, Burrow, and the Bills just didn't have any answers. They couldn't get, you know, pressure on him. He, you know, Burrow was getting rid of the ball quick. He couldn't get the ball, rid of the ball quick enough tonight. And the running game never really got going. And, you know, uh, uh, listen, I think, I think Steve Spagnolo, who's – I mean, mm-hmm. we kind of forget about him. He's not – He's not mentioned as like you know a head coaching candidate or a you know he's mm-hmm. got a, he's done kind of everything you know and uh, you got to give this guy credit. I mean you you mentioned it you know you mentioned uh, um, the three cornerbacks you know they are two starting cornerbacks after that after that one kid went down the two starting cornerbacks and the nickel guy was they're all rookies. I mean and you know and Joe Burrow is no slouch and he's got some pretty good weapons on the outside you know uh, T Higgins and, and Boyd and whatnot so. I mean, you got to give that defense credit. I didn't think that the Kansas City defense had that in in it to win this game tonight. So in that way, I you know, I'm all, I'm you know, all all credit to those guys because quite frankly, as good as Mahomes was, the defense won this game for him, I think.
1: Yeah, limiting limiting uh, Burrow and company to uh, 220 points and Look to your point. Um, a lot of the conversation in this game is going to be about that last play at the end. Uh, Joseph Asai pushing out, uh, pushing Patrick Mahomes out of, uh, a, few, a few feet out of bounds. Yes. The penalty leads to the winning kick. But the, you know, as you mentioned of the Chiefs' defense, and we'll get to that penalty in a second. But the Chiefs' defense is Joe Burrow. And Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and that high-powered offense—they had a couple of chances there with a tie game, twenty to twenty. They have yep. the ball in their hands, everything they could ask for in the fourth quarter, tie game, chance to you know get, go ahead and win this game. And third and three, uh, Burrow heaves one down the field into double coverage uh, that gets intercepted, and then the next yeah. time um, he you know intentional grounding and a Chris Jones sack and the. You know, Chiefs were able to make plays in those big moments. And yeah. Joe Burrow and that offense, if you had said to them, tie game, fourth quarter, you're going to have a couple slings there um, to win the game, they would have taken that.
2: You know, I am not. You mentioned that, that third and three. And I, I, I actually made a comment to one of my colleagues who sitting next to me. I Those kind of third and threes, third and twos, third and fours, whatever, going downfield and a low percentage play, mm-hmm. unless it's just there, right? I just never like that call. Get the first down, especially in this case in this game where it's, you know, it's a it's a tight game, it's a tie game, you know, get the first down, keep it moving. Yep. And ironically, that's really what Burrow did so well, I thought, in the Buffalo game. Yep. He went underneath, he, he underneath the Bills defense to death. Yep. And yeah, that was just you know, listen, it's just games are weird that way. You know, you just they just take these turns sometimes and you're watching them and you're like, what are what are you thinking, right? And yeah. uh uh I'm glad you asked me about Osai because I actually did my column on him for tomorrow, which mm-hmm. probably is it was the last thing I wrote, so it's probably not up online yet, but you know, I went into the Bengals locker room uh before I went into Kansas City and uh this kid was stand up. He's a 22-year-old second-year kid. Mhm barely played last year, um, and he stood at his locker uh, and spoke through tears.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. And
2: what I thought was really powerful and cool was his teammates, you know, were, I mean, you know, on the sideline, in the locker room, on the sideline after it happened, in the locker room, totally at his back. Uh, B.J. Hill, who's a defensive tackle mm-hmm. who was, was on the Giants for a, for a spell, Stood almost like a bodyguard next to him, uh, as as myself and about five or six other reporters uh, asked him questions. And uh, and this kid was like, you know, I mean, the message really from Zach Taylor and from BJ, you know, and to everybody to him was like, look, there were a lot of other plays that should have been made in that game. The ones that you and I just talked about, oh, by the way, third and three, you know, slinging it down for you and double, double go, that kind of stuff. You know, I just, I hope, and I think it will, I thought it was, I thought it was, it just felt like a powerful moment in that locker room, the way those guys stood up for him. And it was, he was very emotional about it. Um, You know, Zach Taylor told him after the game, you know, your play was not the only play that was, you know, that caused us to lose this game. There were countless other plays that that were the reasons we lost this game. So, um, you know, as B.J. Hill said to me as I spoke to him after, after, uh, Joseph, uh, spoke Osai spoke, he said, look, you know, one, one play does not define a guy's season. And, uh, so yeah, that was, listen, at the end of the day, Osai said, listen, I gotta be better. I gotta, mm-hmm. you know, I gotta know where that sideline is. Yep. I can't go up to that quarterback, you know, yep. like that. And he'll learn. And you know what? It'll, it'll make him better the next time. But, uh, I, as a reporter, I like those moments to see, those are moments that you don't see. Right. Um, you see the, you know, the celebrations and the and the snow angels and all that stuff in the field. The other side, to me, you know, is some the things I like to write about a lot. And, and uh, I thought there was some pretty moving moments in that locker room. And and, and you know, there are thirty-two year old veterans that I've covered over the years that don't that didn't act as maturely and and, and in a stand-up way as a side did. You know, I, I can Hey, listen, I mean, I covered the Bills game the other last week. And Stefan Diggs was running running out the tunnel with his in his street clothes, <laughs> before, before before the freaking coaches were in the room, but <laughs> before Sean McDermott had a chance to talk to the team and mass right, mm-hmm. so he had to be coaxed back into the room by by a teammate. Yep. So this, here's a 22 year old kid stood up, owned it, and I, I I got high respect for that.
1: Yeah, I um, I also thought he played his tail off um, before that play, and while he. He's right. He has to be better than that. And, you know, and it was, uh, you know, a painful play. Um, it also was an effort play where he's trying yeah. to make a play and running at full speed to try and make a yeah. play there. Um, doesn't excuse that the penalty happened, but uh, but then also the image that, not having been in the locker room, the image that also um, sticks with me is seeing Joseph Asai sitting there after the game ends for about 10 minutes, lonely on the bench, but with his teammate, number 96, Cam Sample, um, won't leave him, and just talking to him and standing over him and consoling him until he can finally get him to leave the field. Um, But there was a sense of a, you know, kind of no one left behind, um, that camaraderie that I was sensing from the Bengals and that should hold them in good stead as this team has something to rally around and cincinnati just happens to be a city that years ago i spent about 5 6 months living in cincinnati and if there's a you know i think there are plenty of places in our country unfortunately where the fans could turn on somebody um after a play like that my sense yeah. of cincinnati from having um spent some time living there is that it is not that place. And I think it is a place where, um, you know, I think Bengals fans, I think there's a, there will be an embracing of, you know, an understanding that here's a, you know, 21, 22 year old kid, second year player um, who was giving his all.
2: There's no question. And you know, you, you, you said it right there. It was is very much what BJ Hill said when I spoke to him. He's, he said, "I know what this." I, he basically said, "This guy played his butt off, and that's mm-hmm. the way he plays." And that play was emblematic of the way he plays his butt off. And he said, "I know what his intentions were there. His intentions were not to, you know, of course not. Tra- you know, it was just, you know, he just, he didn't, you know, listen. It, it's been, it happens to everybody on defense at one time or another. Unfortunately for this kid, it happened yeah. with the largest, most hot white spotlight on him." But I think the point that I try to make in my column was a little bit what you what you referred to is, though the people around him embraced him, and plays like that, if they if a player isn't embraced, whether it's by his teammates or by his community, or you know whether when he goes back to Cincinnati, that those kind of things can break a player. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean mm-hmm. they they, can, they not be the same again because he's going to be asked about it again, right? <laughs> the next time he plays football, or it's any time anybody reporter is going to do a feature story on this guy. That play is going to be asked about. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going to be part of his history. And I think that the way it was handled um, by his teammates and, and by him will serve him very, very well uh, going forward. And I think you're right. As I, I've never lived in Cincinnati, but I've got some dear, dear friends that live there, and I know, that, I know what that place is about. And uh, I think you're right. I, I, you know, I don't think this is a guy that's going to be scorned when he goes back. To Cincinnati. And the other thing, Lori, is this team is freaking good. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is a young team yep. that has got a lot of talent that's going to be back again and it's going to be fun to watch. And it's not like this was their only shot. You know what I'm saying? I yep. mean, you know, these guys were potentially one play away from going back to its second, second, second of Super Bowl. So I, I think Cincinnati has a lot to look forward to as they move forward. um You know, and, uh, And this is going to be a footnote at some point.
1: I think you're right. And for all of us, uh, I think we have a lot to look forward to in the rivalry, the matchup, Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes, that I think we'll be seeing for years to come. Mark Canisero from the New York Post out there in Kansas City covering the AFC Championship game. Thanks so much for the time. Catch up with you soon.
0: Good talking, Lori. Take care. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears?